Ladies and gents, we back at you. Champions Collective Podcast. I am Brian McFadden. Everybody calls me B-Mac. This episode, once again, we got to take our talents up to the Big Ten. Let's go up north a little bit. You know, I'm a Southern guy, but every now and then, I like to take my talents up top. We got to go tap in when it comes to football. Football is a team sport, but great teams have great specialists. And for this episode, we got one of the best to do it. And this guy, newly, and we're going to tap into this situation in the show, got a scholarship. You know what I'm saying? He got a scholarship. No other than Maryland. Senior punter, Anthony Pecorella. Everybody call him Peck, so I'm going to call him Peck as well. Before we tap into anything conversational-wise with him, make sure you follow my guy on Twitter, at A-N-T underscore Peck21. Also, the kids love Instagram, so make sure you follow him on IG as well, at A-N-T underscore Peck98. Peck, what's happening? How you doing? How you feeling? What's up, B-Mac? How are you? Man, it's a great day to be alive, ain't it? Yes, sir. Every day is a bunch of facts, facts. And with that being said, let's take advantage of it. Since we are live, yes, let's make the most of this day and let's treat it like game seven. This is it. Okay. So let's okay. go be great. Yes, let's sir. start in the beginning for you coming from Long Island. How did you end up at Maryland? Ooh. So I was recruited by the old staff. So this is back when DJ Durkin was here. So this, mm-hmm. I was recruited by a guy named Matt Barnes, who's now at Memphis. And a guy named Tyler Hancock, who's now we just played at Charlotte. Those were the two guys that kind of were the main quarters, I guess you could say, of my recruiting to Maryland. And so when the staff changed, I thought that was kind of it. I thought, okay, I got other schools. Maybe I'm going to start looking there because when a coach comes in, he has his guys, right? They don't really try. Like, they have their group. And they like those guys. So when they get outside of that, it's kind of like, all right, you don't really know what's going to happen. So I was in school one day. and. At my high school, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. So strict as can be, phones were in your locker. You had to lock up your locker, and you couldn't touch at the end of the day. School goes on, like 2.30, 3 o'clock, school ends, and I go to check my phone. And I have four missed phone calls from an unknown number and a text from another coach who was one of the few that was held over saying that, oh, that the new special teams coordinator – uh, John Papuchas wants to talk to you. And I'm sitting here like, all right. So he called me at 11 o'clock. He's probably already moved on to someone else because I he thinks I gave him the cold shoulder. <laughs> so I called him. I called him and he said that they really like my film and they want to have me down for a visit and talk it out. So I went down. It was this was I want to say this was December or January. I want to say, oh no, this was December. Okay. And Locks had just been hired. It was like his second week. And he had told me to come on an official visit. And I said, I don't really need all of the shebang. I just, my family wants to speak with you and just kind of sit down and talk. Because when you're on an official as a specialist, you're not going to get the full lay of the land, essentially, right? Because you got your more mm-hmm. important positions you want to get. So we went in and we sat with Locks and we talked for maybe, I want to say an hour. And when we walked out of the meeting, just, of how personal and upfront he was like college coaches like the bullshit a lot. And they, they, they'll feed you your pitch, but it was one of those things that just felt like a good connection with locks and my family liked them. And my mom didn't like too many of the schools we looked at. So when she gave the approval, it was the stamp approval. I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go to school. And on top of that, I have a twin sister who was looking at Catholic university in DC. Mm-hmm. 
and she was between Catholic and Providence. When I picked Maryland, we were kind of like, oh, less, like, like a pole, like way away, or you're fine. Literally, if you go down Baltimore Avenue, it's my apartment to her apartment, it's a straight shot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you, I, I know you guys parents, love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, I pay Kimmy. They come down every weekend for a game. They see both of us at the home run. No question. No question. And speaking run. of, you know, your parents coming down, what was it like to win the pinstripe bowl in your home state last year? So the worst part about college football is the fact that you play a game, you shower up, you see your family for maybe 10 minutes, and then you get on the bus, go mm-hmm. to the plane, you go home. That's it. Yep. For me, I was 35 minutes from home, like my actual house. Game ended, got to celebrate with my friends and family that I've known since I was a kid. And got to, by the time I got home, the bus was pulling out to head back to Maryland. Uh huh. Oh, so, so you stayed at home because oh yeah, the timing yeah, of the we bowl. Were, we, were, we were on a break, and I told I asked blocks, and I and I said, like, regardless of the result, it, it'd be really cool if I just got to go home as opposed to go all the way back to Maryland, yeah. buying a plane ticket or a train ticket back to New York. He's like, yeah, no problem. And yeah, that was cool. Oh, that's, I'm a, Met, that's I'm a Met. I'm a Met fan, but win something in New York and Yankee Stadium, it carries a little. Carries a little pride to it. Oh, I bet it. I bet it. Do especially with you being a Mets fan. So yeah, yeah. something, something to it. Yeah. So throughout my playing career, I kind of know what it feels like to sack a quarterback or pick off a quarterback. You know, with the interception. But describe Mm -hmm. the feeling of a perfect punt and pinning an opposing team inside the five or ten yard line. So there's kind of two ways to look at it. So one, it's your job, right? Supposed you're supposed to do that. So there's like guys always joke around like, oh, you should have like a cool celebration. Like I've done the McGregor walk. I've done the little shit putt. And like I, I have fun with it, but at times it's kind of like I could do that. And I've been pretty good at doing that as far as like pinning people back. So I've kind of set that expectation. So I'd say yeah, the, the feeling of hitting a perfect punt, like you kind of know as soon as it hits your foot, mm-hmm. if it's good or not. But it's the worst feeling in the world when it's not a good one. You're like, oh, shit. But then sometimes you get lucky. You look up. You're like, oh, like, thanks, God. Like, you helped me. You bailed me out there. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd say hey. it's, it's, a good, it's a good feeling because as a punter, you're the defense's best friend and you're the offense's best friend. You're the defense's Facts. best friend because if you could pin them back and the defense gets to play in their territory inside the 20, the play calling is easier. Yeah. Offense, the fact that they're going to get the ball, it's all field positions, everything in football. Facts. I always wanted to ask a punter this. Okay. How angry are you when your gunner misses a ball, a gimme at the one yard line because they're not paying attention to where they where they are on the football field and it's a touchback? How 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 pissed are you when that happens? It's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling because especially if you hit the right ball and you're like confident enough in that guy to make the play, but our gunners here are really, really good at it. And they talk a lot of shit about it too, mm-hmm. but they know they're good at it because our gunners are all starting corners and receivers. Gotcha. So, like, I haven't had too many problems with that here, but yeah. And like, even going back to high school too, like that's just, it's just so deflating. Cause you're like, you could put a team at the one, mm-hmm. like the whole different ball game, but yeah. they're at the 20 coach is yelling at you uh you're yelling at the gunner it's just it's just a pain in the ass 
What was the moment like when Coach Loxley awarded you with a scholarship? So I dreamed about it, like how it would go so many times, different ways. And I didn't know how I'd react. And the funny thing was, so every time we've gone to a Raven game since I've been here, someone's gotten a scholarship. My freshman year, we didn't go 2020 because of COVID. And then 2021, we went and someone got a scholarship. So you're kind of thinking you have in the back of your head, like, okay, there's this X amount of scholarships. These list of guys deserve it. So you're kind of like, all right, like, is this my shot? Is this not my shot? I'm a senior. Not that time's running out, but there's not too many semesters left that you can get put on scholarship. So we're in the tunnel waiting to go out. And I get a text. And it's from a friend of mine, Dino Tomlin, who plays at BC now. <clears throat> and he said, don't cry. And that was like the first time that I, like, I, didn't, I didn't want to put in my head that this could be it. But he just said, he texted me and said, don't cry. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like that, that moment was like, all right. Like, I, was like, I was actually like talking to myself. I was like, all right, if I get this, don't cry. If I get this, don't cry. If I get this, don't cry. And when I got it, I did. Until I got off the field, called my mom, my dad, and my sister, and I lost it. Uh-huh. Lost it. Because they obviously knew what the day, they knew it was the Ravens game. And like, you just really never knew. Yeah. You want one by all four years, right? And it's just, it's all a numbers game and you want the numbers to match up. So when I call them and they, at first my dad was like, what'd you say? I said, I'm on scholarship. Like I got school, school and everything's on me now. And he, he lost his shit. My mom lost her shit. My sister lost her shit. They were like kids. They might've been, my dad might've been more excited than I was. <laughs> but that, I mean, as good as a feeling as it was to get it on the field with my teammates, yeah, it was even better to make that phone call to your dad and your mom and your sister saying, like, like I got it. Yeah. And speaking of your teammates, one of your teammates, you know what I mean? You guys got a close relationship. Uh, how has Colton uh, Spangler's presence pushed you? <clears throat> Tremendously. And the funny thing was, ever since we got there, the media has pinned us against each other from the start. Like, oh, uh-huh. Spangler That's usually the case. Yeah, Spangler doesn't like Pecorella. Spangler's the hometown kid. Oh, Pecorella's the cocky New Yorker. Just any way, shape, or form, they've tried. And we've had four different specialties coordinators since I've been there. And they've all, like, asked the same question. Like, why do you like each other? Mm-hmm. You're both playing for the same position. But like, Cole and I came in together. We worked our ass off together. And we've... I, we both earned a scholarship. Be, yeah, both earned a scholarship together. And we both just drove each other to be better punters like if not for colin i wouldn't be the punter i am today and i hope you can say about me just because when you're a starter it can get the times where you're you feel a little relaxed like okay like i'm here like i don't have to maybe i don't have to go as hard today but when you have that guy right here with you for all four years every day is a battle every practice is a battle game everything so and it's good to have just another set of eyes when you're punting because like we're both punting on game day, right? So like, oh, maybe I saw this, or maybe oh, the wind's pushing the ball this way, so maybe drop it a little inside. Just like he's been everything for my career here. Yeah, That's and no, the media would like people, people like sports writers right here would hate that because the moment we stepped on campus, the other was like, oh, they're gonna kill each other. There's gonna be a fight yeah. first day they're of camp. For controversy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that that sells, unfortunately. Of course, <laughs> that sells, man. We read that, you know you want to be a coach someday. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So what type of coach would you be and which coaches have you drawn inspiration from? That's a great question. So I've always wanted to be a coach because football has always been something in my life. And I know like, oh, I'm a punter. So maybe oh, I don't know as much about football, but football has always been something ingrained in me. My dad played for, geez, he played high school, he played college, and he played semi-professional from 1987 until 2007. He played right guard. Wow. He's out of his mind. Yeah, he's out of his mind. Yeah, sure. He has eight, na- eight national championship rings. The guy is out of his mind. Like, I went home with this, right? And yeah. I was like, oh, like I got my first ring. He walked out with all eight of his on and said, ha-ha, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> but I always want to be a coach just because impact on somebody's life is mm-hmm. just something like you want to give back right because you learn for me i've had the biggest inspiration from a coach in my life is a guy named robert pudgy walsh who's my dad's coach and semi-pro he has i think 622 wins in his career and he took the team started in 1957 and then he coached from 1958 until he died in 2016 wow and that man loved football more than anything but his biggest preachings were it's not, it's like, like when it stops being fun, it's not worth doing. And he did it for mm-hmm. that long of time. Then there's a man named Sal Champy. Sal Champy is a high school football coach on Long Island at East Tyson. He's my dad's coach and well-respected guy in Long Island. Uh, just an old school guy. And then my dad, my dad was my coach until high school. And even in high school, he'd yell at me from the stands, right? Cause that's whatever, <laughs> that's, what dad, that's what they do. Yes. But those kind of were the three biggest influences just because they gave so much to me that I just want to pour it back into somebody else, right? Because it's a cycle, right? You want to just keep it going. No so that's kind of why something's always been my passion. I, I like it. I like I like your why into mm-hmm. why you want to be a head coach. So go for it. Whenever that time comes and presents itself, go attack it. And go yes, go ahead and, and nail it inside the five-yard line like you've been Yes, sir. Beyond just being a football player, you're a mental health advocate. Can you mm-hmm. share more about your IG account, Healthy Minds, and what mm-hmm. inspired you to create that? So Healthy Minds inspired me was I had my own, I guess you wouldn't call it a scare, but I had my own, like, my own problems with my mental. Being away from college, being away from home for the first time at college. They don't really tell you. They tell you, oh, college is the four best years of life. But they don't tell you about that first semester when everything just kind of moves really fast and it kind of catches up to you. Like, Oh, my life's really moving now. Like I don't have my mom here every day. I don't have my dad here every day. I got to do shit on my own. And it kind of just got to me really fast. And so when I wanted to do something, uh, because mental health is such a touchy topic, a friend of mine, Charlie Baker, who's a cheerleader here, she lost her friend to suicide in Mm. high school. So she had already kind of been, in that world essentially where she like had done research and she was an advocate for it. So I kind of reached out to her and said, like, do you have any ideas? And she said, the biggest thing with mental health is kind of just, just being there for someone, just being an outlet, essentially like not being in their face, but just presenting something and saying like, Oh, it's, it's here. Need it. It's here. So I was actually on my way to Florida to see my grandmother. This is January of 2021. And I just made an Instagram account and just threw it up and just saw if it would stick. And it got a great response. And Locks being 
such a big mental advocate himself and Rachel Barber, who runs the I'm changing the narrative thing, uh, thing that's a long word to say, the I'm changing the narrative mm-hmm. uh, initiative. Uh, those were kind of like always something I've had. Mental health has always been something that my head coach and we brought people in to kind of push to us, but it never really mattered to me until I had my own problems. Yep. So that's kind of why I'm trying to get ahead of it because people don't want to talk about how college athletes go through hell on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And all the public sees is they're playing on ESPN. Oh, they're getting this NIL deal. Oh, they go to school for free. But no one wants to talk about when they go home and they're behind closed doors. And the fact that, oh, I got to do this assignment. Oh, I got to go to this class. I got to yep. do play. I got to do this read on this play. So just kind of being that out because you have your doctors and nothing against people who are doctors, but you don't want to go talk to a doctor because you don't want them to like diagnose you with this, this, and that. You just want to have a person to talk to. So that's yeah. kind of why I started Healthy Minds, just just to be an outlet for someone like me who on the outside, I have everything, mm-hmm. but no one really wants to talk about what happens behind. Because my grandma used to say, no one knows what happens behind a family's four, four walls. So no kind of just, just kind of being there for someone is kind of why I started there. I love it. I love it. Make sure all our listeners and viewers checking us out on YouTube, man, make sure y'all go follow Peck. Healthy Minds is the account. You won't be disappointed. For you, in your opinion, how has the stigma around mental health begin to change and what progress still needs to be made? I think the stigma still exists because you get two, one of two people, one, the people who cry wolf and two, the people who don't experience it. Mm-hmm. So the people who cry wolf are kind of, they just want the attention. So they put it out there just so that, Oh, like they need the attention, but that hurts the people who are really going through it and are afraid to say something. So they kind of just hear like, Oh, this person's weak because they shared their story and they just keep pushing that pain down. And eventually like it's going to come back to bite you in the ass, mm-hmm. the butt. I can't say ass. We can come back and bite you in the butt. So I guess we there has been great progress because just from what athletes both in the college and professional level need to realize is that they have such a big following, even if they don't realize it, just the kid coming to watch you on Saturdays is noticing everything you do. Yeah. They're taking note of everything you do. So just making it a making it a normal thing to, I guess, not being afraid to tell, not even just on Instagram, just telling your friend that uh, like, oh, like something's off. Like just something, like even something that little goes a long way. And if that generation learns from that, then the next generation is only going to learn more. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like building a house, right? And you're laying that first brick. So I think we're kind of just laying that first layer of bricks so that the next generation behind us can continually keep that going. Yeah. Are there better resources we can be giving college athletes to help deal with mental health, do you think? I think, so what Maryland does well is they have psychiatrists at the school. I, both, I think we have one in our building, and then there's two in the, in the athletic, the other in the Xfinity. So what Maryland does is they make it very known very early that in the semester, like when school starts, they sent out the female to all student-athletes saying, like these, this, 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 this are all options for you. And then that the school sends out a separate email to all students that this, 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 this. But I think it's not a more of 
what schools need to provide. It's more just athletes needing to just being able to talk to one another because they're the ones mm-hmm. that are each going through it on a daily basis. So finding that strength to talk to one another is really what needs, I guess we need to get to, because if yeah. you get to that point and you're able to, because you're leaning on your brother on Saturday, right. To, to go to war with, you share that little vulnerability with them. You should be able to go to war with them. Essentially. No question. I like it. I like that mindset. I like that saying, I think it goes hand in hand. So well said, mm-hmm. well said. Peck, before we get you up out of here, we got to transition to our two-minute drill part of our show. I'm going to hit you a rapid-fire question, so I want your honest, unbiased answer. So the scenario basically is offense didn't get a chance to convert the third down. They got a punt. You come on the football field. The team you're playing against, they're down by by two points. So three points going to win it for them. So you got to give us some good field position. Is that too much pressure? You can handle it? Yeah. All right. First question, favorite school tradition is? Turf script. Boy, y'all really love them uniforms, don't it? Turf script. And I'm going to go on record saying it right now. Those should be our regular every week uniform. Old school. I like it. I would would be okay with that. That Terps and cursive on the side of the helmet with the white face mask? Imagine we did all black. Oh. With that same concept? Yeah, same concept. Man, y'all got to put that in rotation. That right <laughs> with that concept and all black might be something different, especially when worn at night. Oof. Yeah. Imagine this week. Say it again. We got a night game this week, seven thirty. Against SMU. What y'all gonna? What y'all rocking? You know what uniforms? Nah. Not that. yet. We pick, we, they, the leadership council picks on Thursdays. That's what tomorrow oh, we'll find out. Okay, so y'all find out tomorrow. I got you. I got yeah. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So rival school you dislike the most. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is bold and more material, I guess. Um, Penn State. Penn I don't State. Even know why. I don't even know why I hesitated. Gotcha. Penn State. Sounds mm. like that's a a, a consensus Common, pick. Yeah, cons- consensus pick. Yeah, that's no what Bob Rubin said. No question. No question. All right. <laughs> uh, go-to pregame meal. Egg and potato sandwich. Egg, egg and potato sandwich. Yeah. So you got potato. You potatoes. got potatoes on the on the sandwich, like a bread with bread. Hmm. I might have to try. Never that. egg and like in in New York, you have like an egg and potato hero. So it's like three fried eggs. In high school, I used to get for every game three fried eggs, hash browns on an Italian hero. Wow. No, nah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a New York thing. Yeah. Okay. I still All do right. it now. All right. I, I like you. Keep keep, keep the tradition tea. in place. And with an ice, I have to do it with an iced tea too. Is it sweet tea or just normal iced tea? Sweet tea. Sweet, sweet tea. tea. Okay. Sweet tea. Uh, favorite food spot on campus? Marathon Deli. What kind of what, what kind of food they serve? Everything. Anything Everything from like like a sub to a gyro to they're known for their French fries though. They can put like the special sauce on them. Mm-hmm. And then you sprinkle sprinkle a little feta cheese on it too. Okay, it's good. It's good. All right, funniest teammate. Who funniest teammate? Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Deontay what makes Banks. what makes Deontay funny? He don't. He's a jokester. Up. Oh, he just yeah, always he talking. Does not, he just always talk. And he's from Baltimore. He's got uh-huh. that heavy, heavy Baltimore accent. Yeah. So you can't understand him half the time. <laughs> But yeah, Deontay. All right. Best road environment in the Big Ten. 
Well, I only played, we played Penn State in COVID. So I'm going to have to say Ohio State. Yeah. The shoe. Ohio State. Yeah, the shoe was cool. I was a true freshman in the shoe playing. And I was that was the first moment I looked up. And said, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wanted, but holy shit! It's here now, no question. Attack it! <laughs> All right, last question for you. I like this one. Who is the goat at your position? Goat. At hey, my yes, you pick one as the all-time great one. Who is it? That's hard. Um, I'm going to have to say Ray Guy because that's who the award named after. Don't get an award named after you. Yeah, when you get an award yeah. named after you, yeah. it's, it's your you big deal. Something, you did something right, but him or Shane Leckler, but I'm going to have to go with Ray Guy. Ooh, I like both. I like Shane. Shane was Shane was giving him hell for years. He was a first, he wasn't he a first round pick? Uh, I don't, I can't remember if he was a first rounder, Jan- but I know like he was, Janik, he was drafted high. Janik, Janikowski, Janikowski was a first round first round. Janikowski went in the teens. Yeah. Yeah, he went in the teens. That'd and the thing the, about Janikowski, you know, he won uh the award. Uh Shane was a fifth rounder. Fifth rounder. Um, but Janikowski won the award two times. And you know that it's a rule. If you win it three times, they change the award to your name. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn, I only got two more years of college. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, but yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. I like I like those two names. So that, that's dope. I'm gonna go on record. Also, one more thing. I'm gonna go on record saying this: the greatest football player of all time is Tom Brady, but the greatest quarterback of all time is Dan Marino. Listen, I've had this kind <laughs> of discussion with a lot of people. I think, and this is my opinion, I think Dan Marino was the most talented quarterback to ever play. If he's playing in today's game, there is no question. Just arm talent, just just talent. Like talent. if you just talk about just a natural thrower of the football, nobody did it better than Dan Marino. Period. Nobody. Period. I know we got the Pat Mahomes of the world today, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. You know, but Justin if he Herbert. if he didn't walk, if he didn't walk, they wouldn't be able to run. Facts. They did it. Out. Like Dan Marino was. There was a because I used to live in South Florida and he used, they used to say during practices you could hear when he threw an out route you heard the ball yeah you heard the ball coming to the receivers like sick like Dan Marino I, I you know you know a little something Pat I mean I know that's that's you know you know you, you're a little young buck still yeah. but you know Dan Marino Dan Marino was hell and Brady and Brady lost two Super Bowls to a team of mine but we we don't have to talk about that tonight wait a minute you a Giants fan. Giants and Dolphins fan. Where the Dolphins come from? My grandfather. So my mom's dad and my dad were both Dolphins fans. And my dad went to pick up my mom on their first date. My grandfather came to the door in a Dolphin sweatshirt. And him and my dad talked about that. And that's what they bonded over. And then that's ultimately my mom and him got my dad and my mom got married. And then, yeah. So my dad was always really, he was always a Dolphin fan. He was happy to be a Giant fan because I was the New York team. But he was a Dolphin fan since they lost, I think, the Cowboys. And, the Super Bowl, whatever year that was, but so what, what would mean more over. to you, Peck? I got a good question for you. What would mean more to you, <sighs> seeing the Giants win the Super Bowl or the Dolphins? I've like already right seen now. the Giants. I've already seen the Giants win too, so it mean more to see the Dolphins. Win more. Okay, I, that's that. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, 
Okay, well, shoot, I had a nice little history going, taking back in time with my guy Anthony Pecorella joining me here. Champions Collective, B Mac, Brian McFadden here talking with Maryland senior punter Anthony Pecorella. Man, undefeated uh, Terrapins got a big game this week. Every game is a big game because they're involved. Make sure you follow my guy on Twitter at Ant A N T underscore Peck P E C two one. Also on Instagram at Ant A N T underscore Peck P E C nine eight. Peck, most importantly, stay healthy and go be great, my guy. Yes, sir, B-Mac. Appreciate you having me. Uh, no problem. Anytime. <laughs>